Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Life on Course. I appreciate you guys uh, send me some suggestions on, you know, ideas and people to talk about on the show. Um, I got a lot of good ideas, some better than others. Um, Colin? No, I'm not going to talk about Julia Rose on this podcast, okay? She is what we consider bad um this is life on course so we're going we're trying to go in the right direction okay and talking about her i mean i feel like there's probably a life off course podcast that would might be a little more beneficial for you if you wanted to hear about her um but i did get a good question from my boy joey in all seriousness um he asked about mental preparation and I love talking about this stuff. I find it super fascinating. Uh, just the different ways that athletes go about preparing for a competition. Um, personally for me, um, there's a lot of different things that I do kind of depending on the week, you know, how I can work and lead up to that week. Cause every week's different, you know, you got traveling, they start different, uh, the tournaments start different days of the week. You know, they aren't always Thursday through Sunday. Um, so I think the first one is just practicing that builds confidence is, yes, it's physical, but it's also mental because when you have like that five-footer in a tournament, you're like, I've made this a hundred times this week practicing. Like, this is no big deal, right? Um, so it just builds confidence mentally. Um, I like to minimize the importance of the event. So, you know, say you're playing in the Masters next week, hypothetically, obviously. Um, yes, you're playing in the Masters, but you should just think of it as just another round of golf. Like how many times have you gone out and just played a round of golf? And that's the mindset you should get into. It's like, this is the same golf that I play with my boys back home, right? You just get the ball in the hole. It's in the least amount of shots as possible. Um, so minimizing the importance. Um, there's using the word maybe to eliminate nerves and pressure. So, you know, you have a five footer and you're like, I should make this like, because the PJ tour average is 80%. Like I should really make this. No, you need to be, maybe I make it, maybe, maybe I make it, maybe I don't, but it's going to be what it is, right? As soon as you, that ball leaves the club base, you can't control anything about it. So using the word maybe, um, leading into tournaments, um, if I've never played the golf course before, I'll always go on Google earth and I will kind of get the yardages what I think that I would hit off the tee box for each course you know just based off the picture I mean a lot of times the course is way different than what it looks like online but I mean at least you're getting a good visualization of the course where you think you would want to hit it in the yardages uh, say for instance it's 200 first hole is 280 yards to the bunker on the right Okay, well, 
in my mind, I want to hit something 270 yards at that bunker to leave myself the best shot into the green. So different things like that. Um, and then once you get the yardages and kind of figure out what you want to do in your head, you can play range rounds where you go on the driving range, you hit the shot. So you hit that 270 yard shot at whatever, visualizing there's a bunker down there, hitting it at that. And you just visualize yourself playing the entire course, um, hitting those yardages that you think you're going to hit in the tournament. Um, so that's kind of the lead up to it. And then I'd say the morning of or whatever, I like to listen to some just calming music um, just to get as stress-free as possible. I think that just having that calming effect is huge for me personally. Um, and then each tournament, I'd say probably – Definitely the last couple of tournaments, but I've done it for a while now. Um, I'll always have a saying or a phrase or a quote, whatever, um, for the week. Um, and I'll either like write it on my yardage book. I'll kind of write it on the inside of my glove where I can see it when I'm setting up to hit the shot. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be anything long, but it can be something. It depends on the week, like how I'm feeling. Uh, it could be calming, inspirational, motivational, like whatever it may be, whatever I think I need that week is kind of what I'll write in there or find something online. Um, and then the last kind of mental preparation is having the same routine for each shot. You know, you see, you get your yardage, you see the shot that you want to hit, what club it is, how high is it going to go? What's your shot shape? You know, there's so many different things and you need to be consistent on how you do that. Um, just cause, I mean, the first hole of the tournament to the last hole, you wanna be doing the same thing each time. So if you're under pressure at any time, you know, you've done it so many times that it's just gonna come naturally to you. Um, so that's just some of the mental preparation not even preparation to stuff that I do uh, during the round as well. Um, I love talking about this stuff. I could talk for hours about it. Um, I just find it very fascinating. Um, so yeah, great question, Joey. Um, this week got a very, very special guest. One of my best friends for a couple of years. Um, he was my team captain my freshman year um lives in austin texas uh grew up playing golf at austin country club just a great guy and that's matthew prine i think he shares great stories throughout this interview um and just kind of gives his perspective on golf and life and you know we just, we just kind of have fun with it so hope you guys enjoy it and thanks for listening He is the Byron Nelson Award winner. He has 15 career top tens at Baylor, 2018 Baylor grad in accounting, and about to finish up his MPA at the University of Texas, Matthew Perrine. Welcome on the pod. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Who would have thought? Uh, not, not me. Not me. <laughs> Couldn't be. Um, so I have some stuff 
laid out here. And if you want to share any stories at any time, go for it. But other than that, we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, let's give it a rip, live and unfiltered. Start in the golf department. So your LinkedIn bio says that you have <laughs> seven top tens and 10 tournaments in the 2017-2018 season. What made you so consistent during that time? You know, I was just like, what made me consistent? I don't know, but I was just playing really good golf. Um, I mean, there was a couple of them that, you know, midway through the tournament didn't seem like it was going to be a top 10. And some of them seemed like they were going to maybe be wins and they both kind of met there in the middle. But um, I had just come off um, a really bad summer on the course, had missed almost every cut I played, had made a grip change right before that. And then I was working with McGraw and Black on the range. And we kind of reverted back to an old grip. And um, that was actually, uh, I guess that was the fall of 2016 or 27, I guess 2017, maybe. And um, we were in Arizona at Maribel, one of the easier courses we played. And the first two rounds I shot like, I don't know, like 77 and 85. And we're coming off the course after a 36 whole day and I'm obviously bummed and all that. And we had our, one of our individuals that was playing there, Jackson Hazel came off and he shot like 68 that day. And he was the high score of everybody else. He's like, man, great playing guys. How'd y'all do? And I was like, ah, not great. He's like, oh, dude, it's all right. Like, I was like, yeah, he's like, which shows 85. I was like, oh. So like right after the round, <laughs> me and the coaches hit the range for a while and uh, kind of got it worked out. Enough where I was like feeling like, ah, maybe I can, Maybe I can shoot 75 tomorrow. And then we like look at the forecast and it's going to be blowing 30 all day. And that shouldn't be an issue because it's a desert golf course with 40 yard wide fairways. But for me, that was disaster. I somehow scrapped it around and shot even the next day. So that was funny is the, the first shot, the first opening tee shot of the final round, McGraw is like walking me up to the tee box kind of solemnly, not knowing how it's going to go. Yeah. It's like, 50 yard wide hole and, and blowing like 40 miles per hour straight into the straight to our face. So like the ball could, if it starts turning, it's going, it's gone. And he just like walks up, like says like, Hey, like, Hey, just have fun. And I was like, Oh, thanks. It's about confidence. And so I get up there, I hit the fairway. I, I like, he like comes up to me. He's like, he goes, he goes, I was praying for you harder than anyone I've ever prayed for on the golf course. Cause I knew if you didn't hit the fairway here, you might run out of golf balls. Wow. Yeah. Hey, thanks. But um, after that, you know, I just, I just, um, I kind of turned on that momentum and, and just played really good golf the rest of the year. And I think I took that top 10 streak pretty much through um, all the way up until nationals. And I think I finished, you know, 20th or something, I don't know, out there, but it was, it was a great season. Yeah. It just shows that you can build off something, even if you don't play great the first couple of days, you're always yeah. working for the next tournament, you know? Yeah. I, I think what it showed me and that, you know, I think hopefully other people see is that like it was coming off a stretch, a long stretch of bad golf, but it was just that one, that one kind of good thing can really turn it around for a long time. It's not like it was just a, you know, one good round because I'd had good rounds, you know, even in the bad golf, but mm -hmm. you, know, you never know quite when it's going to actually turn into good golf for an extended period. Yep. Absolutely. Can you talk about your time kind of going transitioning from Auburn to Baylor, just kind of what that looked like, how it, the golf at both those might have been a little bit different from each other. Yeah, for sure. That was that period when I was transferring was a really 
kind of interesting and hard period in my life, I'd say, because like I did enjoy the team at Auburn. I love the coaches. I just felt like something wasn't right there. It wasn't for me. I just, you know, I wasn't back home in Texas, wasn't, wasn't completely comfortable. So I, I, um, I asked for my release and they were very gracious with the coaches at Auburn. And, um, but I wasn't officially released from Auburn. I guess I asked for my release, like right during the spring break period. And then I wasn't officially released until the day I left campus is when my release actually got signed. So I couldn't talk to any other schools or anything like that until that went through. So I was actually leaving campus and the first phone call I get is from, from coach fields at UT. And so I was leaving campus and I was like, all right, here we go. I'm trying to find some place to go. But for a period of time there, like from that spring break until the end of that semester, I had two months where I didn't know if any school had, you know, I had a little, you know, inclination of where I might be able to go, but I didn't know where, you know, I mean, I knew it might be a good play and people would want me, but they have space on the team. They have any scholarship, like, where am I going to end up? And then ended up at, you know, at Baylor and it was the best choice I've made um, in a long time. That's for sure. I mean, we did some, we did some awesome things on the course there. We made some, some lifetime friendships that are like brothers and, got to play for in my opinion two of the best coaches in the country with coach McGraw and coach Black so yep pretty sweet yep they're great uh did you like being the team captain your senior year <laughs> depends who you are depends who I was team captain for um yeah I mean I did it was, it was fun to quote unquote be the leader um didn't really have to you know when you've got like I said some guys you know everyone's so close and it's it's a small team there wasn't much you know I mean, we were all really self-motivated. So there wasn't like I had to be out there and be like, come on guys, let's go and like be a, right. a raw, raw guy. But um, I mean, there's times I didn't because like, it, like I got blamed for things jokingly. There was, <laughs> there was times where there was chance by other players and not going to name names, Mark Reppy. I mean, I, apparently I was not his team captain. That's just his favorite thing to chant. <laughs> so, um, but I, I think he, I think he came around to learn to respect me and, and my authority that I carried over him um so i mean i'm sure he'll he might be team captain one day but i I don't know it's if he is it's not gonna go well tell you that much um so during the national championship at rich harvest farms uh could you just kind of take us through your match a little bit and i mean obviously hole 18 was awesome um could you just tell kind of how that day went down yeah a lot of emotions yeah that was a very emotional day. So I think when we, like, I know I was playing, I was playing Brad, um, Garrett and Riley Ryanhurst were playing, I think. I don't remember the other matches, but, you know, I, I think everybody on Baylor got off to a pretty hot start. Um, um, we were like, we were leading up all five matches through nine holes, but like in one by a big margin, but like one or two up. And then Brad and I had a really awesome match going. Like we were both playing great golf. Um, I think we turned right. I, I might've been one up or he was one up, but we were all, we were very close. And then everything turned south for Baylor pretty quick and midway through the back nine. Um, and we were kind of behind the eight ball. Um, and then I just remember talking to black coach black on like maybe 15 and we saw, or we saw a scoreboard or something like that. And all of a sudden we're down like three matches to two. One of them is about to get closed out. So like it, it's, it's coming down to my match. And I think right in front of me playing Grant Hirschman. And um, 
I'm two down, two to pull, I guess we get to 16, then I lose 16, I hit duck hook a four under the trees or whatever on par three, blow that hole. I'm like, all right, well, this was fun. Two down, two to play. It's coming down to like, Brayden and I, we both have to just like get through our matches. Um, and then 17 is just a beast of a hole out there. Um, and I managed to, uh, I hit the green in two and then Brad Dalkey kind of, messed up the hole he had a, i think he was in the fairway and blew it over the green in his back pin and just kind of left himself short-sighted ended up making bogey and so i had two putt par win all right go to 18 um to make a long story short i end up you know went for the green and two on a par five and ended up about 20 yards right of the green pin high kind of in some trampled down rough and not a great lie and end up kind of in a decent shot just comes up a little bit short um, so I'm chipping again, and I have about a 15-foot chip to continue the season. <laughs> and it, I mean, it was, it, was, it was as easy of a chip as you could ever want. I mean, take the scenario out of it. I mean, it was dead flat, 10 feet, perfect. Green's rolling so smooth. There's not a, I mean, not a blemish on them. And I, I, I hit a great chip, happened to go in, and we were on to, on to the extra holes. And then you – so you kind of fist-pumped one time. And it was a double clutch. Well, yeah, like you fist pumped once and then you're like, oh, wait, no, I just made this and it's a huge deal. And then you just kind of let it a bigger one out. It was funny. Yeah, I, I it mean, was awesome. I think, it's, I think that was a lack of experience um, <laughs> in the celebration game. You know, maybe I should have been working on that when I was younger. But um, yeah, it was, it, that was awesome. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it wasn't as much fun losing on the next hole, um, but, but still, still just yeah. making it to match play. I mean, that was an awesome year. And I, I remember watching that on TV and I mean, just the highs and lows throughout the day was incredible. Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> and I, I wasn't even playing. I was just watching. Uh, what's the favorite course you've ever played? Favorite course. I am very partial to Olympic club it's outside or in San Francisco. I think it's just awesome. I mean, you get the, it's right there. It's like on just on the other side of a ridge from from the water and um i mean it's just it's in perfect condition there's just huge trees everywhere it's the golf course is it that that land is like it was made for a golf course mm -hmm. i mean there's not a bad hole out there i mean it, it's got the combination of you know of, of short holes long holes that are you know everything's challenging there's not there's no let up out there and then you add in like it can be summer day and it's a warm summer day out there is what 75 degrees all of a sudden the marine layer rolls in and it's down in the 50s and you're just like complete change of <laughs> complete course right on the dime but i think i think olympic club is probably one of my favorites that or riviera yeah i got to play riv and the uh usam and that place is awesome i mean it's it's top notch yeah i thought you were gonna say riv so uh what's one that you want to play I want to get out to, I mean, the typical, the standards. I want to get out to Augusta. I want to get out yep. to Valley. I want to get out to Cyprus. Haven't had the opportunity, but, you know, I think they, I think I got a good chance. Not a good chance. That was misstated. I got a better chance now that I'm an amateur again mm -hmm. of getting out to Augusta because I think you got a better chance at winning the mid-am than I do winning BJ Tour event. Yeah, I mean, you knew what you were doing. As it'll be. It's all strategy here. Yeah. So – Turning pro after uh, Baylor, 
um, what like differences did you find between like college and pro golf? Well, everything. I, I mean, college golf is, it's, it spoils you. You would go and you're, you're traveling with your five, six buddies. You happen to like your two coaches. That's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, our, our schedule was, I mean, it was awesome. We would go, I mean, the, the worst course we played, you know, my senior year, I, I mean, was still a course that they played PJ Tour on. You know, I mean, we, we went to Cabo, we went and played Olympia Fields. Um, I mean, everywhere we went was, was the best. And then you go and you're traveling for free, you're staying at decent hotels. I mean, you're hardly ever there, so that doesn't really matter anyway. You're eating steak dinners every night. I mean, the tournaments, sometimes they give you gifts and all that stuff. It's just, you know, and then, you know, you go back, you go to school, you do all that. And, but, you know, college golf is just, it's hard to beat. You know, you, you think you've got pressure when you're playing college golf and then you, you, and then, you know, you, you turn pro and there might not be, the tournaments might not be as big or whatever, then everything's self-imposed, you know, you're, you're going, if you're not playing on, even playing the Corn Ferry Tour, like, you're like, oh, I'm not going to combo this week. I'm going to Marksville, Louisiana. And it's like, there's nothing there. <laughs> and then you go and you play, you know, dumpy courses and grind your teeth. And I mean, it, it's fun, but it, it's definitely, it's a lot more of a grind and it, it's hard. You know, you can, you know, three bad tournaments in college, you still come home, you know, you go to football games, you go to basketball games, you know, hang out with your buddies, do some partying, whatever you want to do. You know, like you go and you miss, you have three bad tournaments as a pro quote unquote i mean that's three weeks when you're you feel bad you're you're spending a thousand dollars on the entry fee travel all that stuff and you're not making any money mm-hmm. you know you know if you're playing a mini tour you don't know you know maybe that's right before like a three-week break and all of a sudden it's like well now we're going six weeks with nothing and it adds up but i mean it, it it'll it'll teach you a lot teach you a lot of patience teach you a lot of perseverance that you know a lot of us already have but it really kind of instills it in you yeah but um I mean, it's a fun experience. It's just, it's just, it's, they're complete opposites. Yeah. Uh, so you went up to PJ Tour Canada and you got into an event, but your clubs didn't make it with you. How did that work? Yeah. So I had conditional status on the McKinsey Tour. Um, and so I went up to the first two events to try and Monday qualify. So I was like, my number was, I was a couple outside the number to get in the events. So I went up there, played the first qualifier. And it's like sta- exactly what you'd picture, like British Columbia weather. It's like, I mean, it was 50 degrees, raining all day in the first Monday qualifier. Shoot, 71, missed by one. I'm like, all right, great. All this way, missed by one standard. Go to the next one. Um, you know, had to wait a whole week. Ended up caddying for one of my buddies, Andrew Pacey, up there during the first event. Um, you know, so I got to the second of Monday qualifier in, in Victoria. And um, I got through there, played a nice round and, and went to a playoff and hold about a 30-footer on the second playoff hole to, to get through. And um, I played all right in the event. I made the cut but finished like 45th or something like that. Didn't get anything going on the weekend. And, and, you know, even though it is not, it's quote unquote, still the minor leagues of golf, there's a lot of good players and you're not getting away shooting, you know, one or two under. So um, that got me, that'd get me high enough in the reshuffle to get um, into like you know, the early events. So it's kind of still going to get in after the reshuffle kind of randomly. So I'm in San Jose, California, playing Monday qualifier where I missed by one. 
Um, and I get, you know, the, um, the guy who runs the, the McKinsey tour, Derek Miller, I think calls me and he's like, Hey, um, I knew the whole time I was one out, but I was like, I didn't have to make it in. It's like, Hey, you, you just got in. Um, can you make it? I'm like, yeah, I think I can make it. Um, so I was, I was in California and just had to get up to Alberta, I think, which is like central Canada. So I go and I book my flights and I'm going San Jose to Denver, Denver, Calgary or whatever, right? And I'm in, uh, I'm in Denver and <laughs> this huge storm rolls in. So everything gets delayed. The whole airport like shuts down. The storm rolled down like four o'clock. No more flights left that day. So I'm like trying to change my flights. It's like, you know, I, this was Tuesday. So, you know, tournament starts Thursday. So I'm already a little bit like, I got maybe, maybe this practice around here. So we go and like <laughs> check my flight and it's like just canceled. I'm like, all right, that's cool. My my luggage is already like it's it's been checked and all that. I got I have nowhere to go. All the hotels are booked. So I'm like, all right, fine. I guess I'll just sleep at the at the airport. So I go and I like sleep by the luggage thing, hoping my like my luggage will just come out on the conveyor belt the next morning so I can recheck it and book and get on a new flight that I booked. Well, it never comes out. So I'm just like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going up to going up to Calgary and just hoping my stuff shows up eventually. Because all I had was like my backpack and like the clothes I was wearing and nothing else. And so we get up there trying to call, got nothing, got nothing. So I have to use it. It's like Thursday and I'm like, well, I got no clubs. So I have to go use these essentially rental clubs. I think it's one of the, one of the tour staff's clubs and Kind of, kind of threw together a bag, had to borrow a collared shirt from Bryson Nimmer, barred shoes from Lee Detmer or something like that, and, and kind of ended up piecing it together, but it didn't, I didn't, it didn't make the cut, needless to say, <laughs> but I actually got, got in the next event too, so, um, but my club had shown up by then, so, so that was good. The hardest part was playing, because I didn't have my luggage, so I didn't have my contacts, so I was playing with glasses and that just threw me through a loop. So that was the one thing I'd say to anybody traveling, always pack your contacts separately. You might have a chance. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, all right, that's enough golf. Um, so I was going back through your Twitter. Uh, September 17th, 2012, you tweeted, Mondays aren't that bad when your teachers bring you donuts and lets you watch TV all class. Hashtag learning. Uh, what kind of donuts were they? Um, I'm going to be honest. I have no recollection of that tweet. So you said 2012. So that was my sophomore year of high school. So I don't know. I'm going to get gander. They were probably Krispy Kremes, okay. you know, glazed donut, standard. You know, they, they, they're bringing them for a class. They're not going to make too many. They're not going to be too off the wall. Yeah. Can't go wrong with Krispy Kremes. No, but that's, that is hashtag learning. I don't regret that one at all. That, that's a good tweet. Uh, one more. On June 7th, 2013, at 11 p.m., you tweeted, I'm bored out of my mind. Are you still bored? I mean, considering I probably haven't said I'm not bored since then on Twitter, I guess so. I mean, we never. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know I even, I didn't even know I tweeted at all besides like some retweets and stuff this is news to me i like it yeah there's like uh probably at least 10 tweets of you saying how tony romo sucks i you know i think that was that was out of emotion um i i kind of retract a lot of that because he kind of turned out to be pretty decent you know i mean it was pretty good may not have won many playoff games or won a super bowl but you know 
I mean, Tony Romo stands for himself. Yeah. What's the biggest fish that you've caught? The biggest fish I've caught. I actually caught a blue marlin, or striped marlin in Cabo in 2014. I could not tell you how big it was, though. Um, was this the one where you had to debate between going to play in an AJGA Invitational or going to Cabo? Yeah, I chose going to Cabo. I do not regret that one. I would definitely tell all the kids to skip out on the Invitationals and go fishing. <laughs> Great choice. Um, I, I think I missed out on, um, I think I missed out on Wyndham Cup or whatever it's called because of that too, because I didn't meet the number of required tournaments to play. <laughs> was it still worth it? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, <laughs> wasn't what was that? What I would think it would have been Team West. Yeah. Oh, that's all right uh what's the best investment you've ever made best investment i've ever made mm -hmm. that's a good question um made you know and like you're talking like stock investments I, I put in a little bit of money into this into to waiter at the beginning of the pandemic and made a nice little return on that it's a Company. It's essentially like Grubhub. It's just food delivery service. Um, How about more of like life? Oh, well, hey. I mean, I'm interested in both, but. Yeah, I mean, of course. Well, I didn't know. You kind of gave me like a funny look. So I didn't know if you were the best investment I ever made. Um, oh, I've got this. When I was playing, I had this vibrating foam roller. Mm -hmm. And that thing, you know, you're walking 36 holes all the time and stuff like that in college. I mean, that thing will get you right pretty quick. Yeah. I think that was, that was probably my best, one of my better investments I've ever made. And I still use it. still lasts like five years in. Good mm -hmm. thought. Uh, Coach McKell asked me that question, and I said my hypervolt. So. Yeah, it's all pay. It's all about the recovery. It really is. If you feel good, everything else Thank is good. All right. Favorite segment, questions from Twitter. I know you, I know you love this part. Uh, at Coach Rod BU, he said, I give you my blessing. Really? That doesn't sound like a question. Or statements. <laughs> nice try there. You kind of blew that one. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're just going to move on to the next one. <laughs> um, at Speed Putt asks, what is the secret to two-putting each hole? You know, you, the, I kind of earned a nickname from, oh, yet again, Mark Reppy. He's just a hater. Um, two putt per ride. Um, I, it was a well-earned nickname, I would say. I think the secret is, though, is you really got to put way too much pressure on yourself. You got to dig yourself into a mental hole to where you got no choice but to two putt. Although the nice thing is you really don't, like, I was, I was goal. I mean, I was cast from everywhere when it came to two putt. I got to be 65 feet away, count it, two putt. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... You just gotta, you gotta overthink it a little bit and then vary your speed. So you're always a little bit, you know, misbreeding and stuff. And I think that's your, you'll two putt a lot more like that. You'll, you'll start missing them. So if you don't match speed and line necessarily on the first one. Yeah. They kind of just overreact and over adjust and just keep, yeah, keep plugging away. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of what you need to shoot for. Okay. Perfect. Um, at, this isn't a question because you caught me on the first one. This is a statement uh, at Blag Louisville one three five. He says, uh, "I miss you." 
Am I just reacting? I, I mean, I miss Coach Black too. I mean, I, I feel bad. I was going to go visit him when I took the job up there, but then, you know, the pandemic happened. We were going to go and kind of go, he's going to, you know, show me around, go to Louisville basketball game and see a, see a blue blood basketball school. But I guess I don't have to do that anymore because we got Baylor. Yeah. Now Scott Drew has just turned into the GOAT and taken us to new heights. How do you feel about the game on Saturday? I'm pumped. I think we got a good chance. You know, we're starting to starting to play some some better basketball and, and defense is turning around and they kind of shook off the COVID rust. And mm-hmm. we haven't even shot the ball well from three yet. So just watch out. Jared Butler, Macy OT coming in hot. Can't believe you forgot about Davion. You mean, I mean, we're going to list the team. Everyday John, get a little Mark Vital in there, a little 2 4. 2 4. For my alma mater, Westlake, go Shaps. Um, and then the last uh, one comes from at JR Hats. Uh, I'm not sure if this is boy or girl, but they ask, show us your toes. Uh, you know, I'll just describe them. Uh, I just, uh, I think it might be a little graphic for us, for some of the younger viewers for showing them. Good. Hey, I, you know, hey, hey, I've got web toes, just two of them in the middle. They're slightly connected. It's not really a big deal, but everybody just likes to act like I'm some sort of genetic freak. I mean, I mean, I am, but not because you are. So I'm just, just happen to be, you know, just happen to have web toes, you know? They I mean, no, it doesn't make me faster swimming. It probably slows me down running and all that stuff. I mean, but, you know. Not everything is, uh, not everything's golden. Sometimes you have a bird and you have to live with it. It just happens to me to be web toes. You can't be perfect. No, nobody can be perfect. Thank you for joining Matthew and uh, good luck finishing your degree in the upcoming months. I'm sure you're going to be successful at whatever you want to pursue. I heard you already got a couple of job offers. So Yeah, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. You're going to have to do some thinking. Yeah. Hope you guys finish season well. Appreciate it. Yeah, later.